Emotional security is like the blanket that you tuck your soul in. Pete Livingston. You ready for Joe, Joe hey, Buck to set you up? <laughs> That's what I think he's saying. He's like, hey, you're about to sleep with Joe Buck. And Sam. This is our, our candy orchestra. Mm. It's still going. Those are some good pop rocks. Los Livingston Brothers. Italian. Count the Italians. Calipari. Okay, there's two Italians in the final four. What do you mean? You just said Izzo? And Calipari. Calipari's not oh, Italian? Oh, Patino didn't make it. No, Patino did not make I it. I had him in my final four. And the fact that he almost made it. Patino and Calipari four. making it means that all the hair grease in Indianapolis would have been bought up <laughs> just by those two. All of the... Uh, Silvery, slick suits and yeah. hair products would have gone up. Yeah. So awesome. But it is Final Four weekend. And this is the weekend before opening day. In baseball. Oh my god. Lots of stuff happening. So much shit. We have an hour. How do we do it? We just gotta do it, man. And if we can't do it, then we're gonna do it tonight. I'm trying to get my, my chair over. I'm trying to get my dick in this random broad. God. And uh, speaking of dicks and random broads, I'm I'm with my wife revisiting Entourage. Hell yeah. And it has been a surprisingly pleasant trip down memory lane. Oh my god, yo. Uh, I thought the show would be dated, and I thought that me knowing where they were going... Would ruin it. Hell no. But having been about five, six years since I've seen the show, pleasantly surprised with A, how it held up, and B, how it's still very uh, entertaining. The great thing about that show is that there's a true lack of story, which you don't think very about. Very much so. When you don't think about great TV shows, like, well, that's, there's no story to it. That's what makes it great is that that show is not about an overarching story. You don't watch it. For an overarching story. It's it is there, and they reference it, uh, you know, kind of throughout the episode, but like you're saying, it's not about the story, it's about the lifestyle, it's about Hollywood, it's about relationships, it's about the business, and it is it is entertaining. It's about getting that strange. They get some strange in that show. Not good news to them. It's a great show. Where do you even want to start? Because, like, so Dragons of Darkir is out. NCR is this weekend. Yes. Final Four is this weekend. Yes. Opening day is Monday. Yes. Phoenix Pro Wrestling is Saturday. It's tomorrow. It's going to be today when you listen to this. That's like, fuck, man. We actually have shit to talk about. We have nothing to talk about, or we have too much to talk about. 
Uh, you know, let's go ahead and let's just do baseball. Let's cover our bases, no pun intended. Sure. Big time pun. Sure. With uh, sports. And we have, I think let's go ahead and we'll start with baseball since baseball season is about to start. Sure. Big news breaking from Giants camp. Brian Sabian. Yep. Longtime GM. Uh, kind of, along with Bruce Bochy, kind of... The, the, that duo morphed themselves into almost a misfit, underachieving team, probably more so with Brian Sabian, who was known for kind of landing some horrible deals, the big one being the Barry Zito deal, yep. Rowan, a few others. It was kind of like, what's with this guy? Brings in Bruce Bochy, has like... Hmm... I'd say a few a few solid years of drafting. Yeah. Not just Buster Posey, but also the pitching. The first year that Bochy was manager, they drafted Tim Lipscomb. Exactly. And then you saw... I, I don't know what... I would be curious to ask, like, what turned it around? How did you go from just signing big-name people uh, who were past their prime to ludicrous contracts to saying, hey, let's rein it in. Go homegrown and draft phenomenal pitching, develop it, and fill in the gaps. Well, it's a luck. They they had Matt Kane, Tim Lincecum, and um, Madison Bumgarner all turn into aces. Yeah. That doesn't happen. That's insane. That does not happen. No. Um, so that's one of the greatest drafting periods in the history of baseball. Like if you look at it straight up, like, yeah, to go from Lincecum yeah. to Kane, and then. At, like, literally the perfect time, yeah. Madison Bumgarner morphed into arguably the greatest pitcher on the planet. Not named Clayton Kershaw, but yeah. And it's just like, it's amazing. Yeah, he's, no, he is, um, yeah, he's, it's going to be interesting this year. Kane had a great start tonight, so this is Friday the 3rd. He had a great against start. The, against the A's. And um, this was after a horrible start by Jake Peavy. Um, but, uh, but there's some yeah. talk that Kane doing this so close to the season, this is a good sign. <laughs> Sign and we'll see. And Posey going yard. And Posey went deep. Um, so, uh, at night. At night. Brandon Belt did that last night against the great Pat Van Diddy, the switch pitcher, who I don't think will make the team, unfortunately. No. There was um, an article about him. Actually. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so there's questions about the Giants staff. Um, PV, question mark. Lincecum, question mark. Bumgarner, question mark. Everybody's got question marks on this staff, and more than others, because well, every, you know, every. I mean, if you look at. Bumgarner's regular season stats, they are not his postseason stats. He has a four ERA. That's fine, but... Which is not bad. It's still good. But you look at Kershaw. Everybody talks about the the the, the flip between Kershaw and Bumgarner. It hasn't happened yet. Yeah. But, I mean, like, you know, it's... You can't really predict the postseason. You can definitely predict the, the season a lot better. You know what I think, though? I think that the Dodgers do win the West this year. No, they're totally going to win the West. They're going to win 95 games at the least. They might be a 101 team because the Padres or the, the Diamondbacks and the Rockies are so horrible. But you know what? The NL West, I think... I the think NL West is tough. Could have three playoff teams. I don't think they well, well, will. I don't mean the NL West. I just mean the NL in general. Yeah, I think this top to bottom is so. And that was very tough. So you have the central. So at the least, you have ten teams that can come into this season from the NL and say we. Have I a guess shot the question is, who set up the fail harder, 
The Dodgers or the Nationals? Um, the Nationals, because they're already seeing some injuries. They're they're going to be without Denard Span. They're going to be without Jason Wirth. They're going to be without Anthony Rendon. That's a third of your starting lineup. And a guy, Rendon, who was But a then they player. had the big offseason. So. Yeah, they got Scherzer. I mean, they're, the they're Dodgers... Making, they're making an obvious hedge for yeah. now. The Dodgers have backups at all the spots where if they fail or if someone gets hurt, they can easily replace it. They have two guys that can fill in in the infield if Juan Uribe sucks or Howie Kendrick sucks. Uh, they have a great... Uh, prospecting core seeker that can fill in it short. They have Andre Ethier to fill in, in one of the outfield spots. I'm they, surprised uh, nobody got Andre Ethier. Well, the whole thing is that when teams inquire about Andre Ethier, they're basically saying, "Are you going to pay part of his salary?" And he has a big salary. He's got a big salary, and so that's kind of the issue. It's like, um, we'll pay. You would think that the Dodgers would want to move him because there was so much. Everybody was talking about the turmoil in. Uh, the clubhouse. Well, yeah, Ethier wants to start because he was he was platooning in the outfield, and he was yeah. like, "Hey, I was an all star. I have this contract. I have this. I have that." Well, Jock Peterson won the job, and rightfully so, in center field, and so you have now with Kemp gone, it's going to be Crawford in left, Peterson in center, and Puig in right, yeah. and you can't take Puig out. You can't take Peterson out. Crawford, you might take out because just of his injury history, but he hit well. He's getting older. He's getting older, but but like the whole thing so with Ethier, the whole thing with the Dodgers, like yeah, we hold all the cards with Ethier. It's like yeah, we'll trade him, but only under the right circumstance. And so they're not gonna just say, oh, we'll trade you for this or trade you for that. So I don't think it's a big deal. But the the one thing that the Dodgers have is their depth is pretty great, except for on the hill. The hill is going to be an issue with them. Um, God forbid something happens to Kershaw or Granke because the three guys behind him, you have Hin Jun Ru who's already got an, an issue with his arm, and then you have Brett Anderson and Brandon McCarthy who both have had injury issues. And so if you don't have any of those guys healthy, you're getting into some very thin territory when it comes to pitching. Yes. But that's where a guy like Andre Ethier can help you go get an arm uh, for the time being. And so... Um, they do have a great young pitcher named Julio Urias, who's an 18-year-old, who's going to be at Double-A this year. And if he can find his control in Double-A, he'll be up at the Major League level as an 18-year-old. Is he a guy they're looking for any excuse to move him up? No, he's a guy that has the stuff to pitch at the Major League level, but he needs like the control you know, to, to really hone his stuff. If he can figure that out, then he'll be at the Major League level. But they think that that won't be until August or... At the at the earliest, and so, um, and he'd be in as a bullpen arm more than anything else. But if he does come up and he does pitch as well as people think he will, it's a very Fernando Valenzuela, small you know small town in Mexico lefty with ridiculous stuff mm-hmm. coming in as a nineteen twenty year old type situation. Nice. So, um, but yeah, the Giants, the Giants are gonna be in the thick of things, but they have a small. Small measure for air. They're going to have Hunter Pence gone for a month. Um, they don't have a lot of infield depth at all. Um, Matt Duffy's... But they're young. They're young, but the whole thing is like Matt Duffy has hit the hell out of the ball, and so there's talk about him and uh, and, and Casey McGee maybe trading time. That guy is time. like a brick shithouse. He is brick. Yeah, I've never seen him yeah, live, and I saw big... him today, and I was like, who is this huge dude? He is. He's built. He really is. Um, but Matt Duffy has played himself onto this team. He's definitely going to be there. Um, Panic has hit well. Belt's hit really well. 
Um, Crawford has hit really well. He had a three hits off of lefties last night. I mean, he was really doing well. So he's, you know, I think that the team will be fine overall. My biggest concern, though, is um, is when when shit hits the fan on the pitching mound. Like, Which l- will. let's say June comes and PV sucks, Hudson sucks, Lincecum sucks. Uh, Kane is okay. Bumgarner's fine, but he's not like superb or something like that. Then they'll you really at, don't they'll, have they'll much. Move, uh, Petit and yeah, Petit and Vogelsong. The Vogelsong looked really good last night. He came in through three shutout innings in relief. Um, he's he actually, wants to be a starter. He's actually looked like a guy who, like, if you were really, you know, you didn't, you weren't paying ten million plus to the three guys behind Kane and Bumgarner. You're like, oh. You know, Vogelsong and yeah. Petit should be pitching for this, you know, starting the I was very surprised that nobody picked him up. Yeah, the Astros were talking about it, but they had some other things in mind. And I think what ended up happening was when he went there, he didn't really feel like he would fit in as much as he would back with the Giants. Did so. the Astros window close? Because everybody was talking about, for the past few years, they've been waiting for the Astros. I don't, you know what I mean? Because they, like, they, they were loading up. They're still loading picks. up. They're still loading up. But so, nothing's really well, coming from it. Carlos Correa and Mark Capel, they're two top prospects. George Springer came up last year and he hit the hell out of the ball. Um, but Correa and Appel both looked like they could play this year. And if that's the case, uh, that's a frontline starter and a all-world shortstop that you put into the middle of that lineup. And all of a sudden, you're looking at a very respectable Astros team getting a big boost. Uh, I don't think their window has closed because they're going to get another top pick this year. And most likely, they're going to go after a college player that they think will be good and will be ready soon because they want him to come up right away and they want him to contribute. And if that's the case, then the Astros window might just be opening. The reason you say that, though, is because like the Mariners have loaded up. The Angels have Mike Trout. The A's figure out how to both rebuild and stay competitive at the same time. That's a really tough division to be good in. That's a really tough division to be good in. and uh, Especially since the people keep waiting for the Angels to get off their asses yeah. and play like how well, they Well, the should. big story that happened Friday was a huge day in baseball. Um, the first thing that happened was the Angels found out that Josh Hamilton was not going to be suspended due to his relapse from a substance abuse in the offseason that he reported himself. MLB decided not to suspend him. Which I think is fine. But the Angels came out and basically said that they did not like the fact that this type of conduct did not come with a penalty. Uh, but the real reason was because they did not want to pay $23 million this year for Josh Hamilton and then 30 years for both of the next two seasons. They were looking for any... It's almost like the A-Rod thing. They were looking for any way out from under this contract. And they came off looking really, really yeah. bad. Everybody really says bad. that the biggest mistake Hamilton made was actually leaving the Rangers. Well, the, the Rangers... so Strictly because of the support system. So the, the thing is, though, the Angels got cheap with that support system. They The Rangers hired someone to be with Hamilton on a regular basis the entire season. They protected their investment. The Angels, by cutting costs, actually took that person away from Hamilton, I think, after the first season. And then when that happened, some things started, you know, appearing. 
and this is the second time that something has happened since uh, he's become an angel, I think it was. Or maybe the thing that happened was between the Rangers and Angels. I can't remember that time frame. But the Angels got cheap with it. And that is, that's a product of the environment the Angels are in. And that's the thing is, you knew what you were purchasing at that time. You knew what that type of situation looked like. You needed to prepare yourself as best you could. And they didn't. They didn't do a thing for it. And it's it's sad. It really is. Because it's no longer about the health of one of your players. It's about how, money. It's how, you know, how much money. Yeah, it's the business of it. And this is a lot bigger than business. Hmm? You know, so... What else in baseball? Um, Urban Santana got busted for games. Stanislaw, and that is uh, the third. That's the third person to be busted for that specific drug, uh, and I think the last week or two. And it's an in- the reason why it's interesting is because it's an ingestible um, PED, and I the 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 rumors going around is that. A doctor basically said, if you took this, you'll be able to get around the test somehow. And it's a lot better for people who don't want to deal with needles or injections by other ways. Um, but yeah, Irvin Santana, gone for, for 80 games. Half the season. Half the season. For him, that's 16 starts. You know, he was paid four years, $55 million. Uh, you want to talk about the business side of that, you know, he still owed that money. He's, you know... That's a guaranteed contract, right? And so, you know, it, it, it ends up paying. Like if the Twins wanted to release him or something, they can't do anything about it because the collective bargaining agreement states that this is the penalty. And so if they release him, they still owe him all that money. Um, but, you know, you know, that's just how it goes. Except for me, though, because Elliot and I have a side bet. I think the Twins are going to actually do pretty well this year. Relatively well, it's at 75 wins or above. This is not going to help. Santana could get a couple wins. So, uh, But that was a big news story today. Uh, yeah, but I'm just stoked for baseball. Like I did the, the Sonoma Dragons, the high school team, played their first home league game. So I broadcast that tonight. They beat L.C. Allen, who unfortunately is terrible. Perfect game, 10 nothing. you know, that type of stuff. But that's the first game, five months of baseball that I'm going to have. At, uh, at Arnold Field, and it's just sensational, man. I can't wait. And so baseball season has arrived on a nightly basis for the next six months. I'm stoked, man. Totally stoked. Awesome! Baseball been very good to me. And I'm drinking my Bud Light line in celebration of the beginning of baseball season. <sighs> I still find... So horrible. Tradition is tradition, though. Yes. What else? I don't know. What else is there? Um, baseball. No, I mean, I mean, like base. We've we've kind of baseball is ready. We're done. We we need to let that marinate. All right. Um, I guess we could go to uh, WrestleMania. Yeah. So that was really surprising. Um, to be honest with it, I. I, I thought that the, the Seth Rollins cashing was going to happen months ago, and it didn't even, like, I was so pissed off at how the match was going on in my head, like, I didn't even think about that, which was really weird for me. Um, but it seemed like it was a really good event. Um, it 
on the problem was like going in, it didn't look that great. But then there were things that throughout the show made it great. You know, um, I still wasn't gonna pay a hundred bucks to sit in the nosebleeds for it. And there's no way. You, you know? said I think that it was gonna be a six. Yeah, it ended up being like an eight, eight and a half. Uh, really good show overall. Um, the shit that was entertaining was entertaining. The shit that I was really looking forward to be, from a wrestling standpoint, very good. Ended up being very How good. How was the Sting Triple H match? It was a clusterfuck, but in the best sense. So they they really... It was such a weird booking. So Triple H, for whatever reason, decided not to... They tried to book this as a WWE-WCW angle. WCW's been dead for 15 years. But they booked it as a WCW uh, WWE angle, which I was just like, what the fuck? That's not the story, right? And what was funny was that Sting cut a promo the Monday before where you're like, oh, yeah, he's telling a completely different story here, and I like that story. But what ended up happening was, so they wrestled for about 10 to 15 minutes. Triple H got to do his, like, Ric Flair tribute match with Sting, you know, because Sting and Flair fought so many times. And you did, like, you saw some of the same spots, same sequences. It was like, it's so funny because he totally... Like, lifted it from Flair. And then they had DX come out, mm-hmm. and Sting fought them off. And then the NWO came out, which, you know, because them and Sting were running buddies. No. No. Um, but they came out to fight off DX, and you got the NWO versus DX, which is like, oh my God, 15 years ago, we would have had something so great. And I was like, whatever. Um, but it was like really entertaining shit. Like I was just like, uh, it was just really funny to me. And then you got like the big like standoff at the end. Triple H won, of course. Cause, oh, what? Cause yeah, cause you gotta put, you know, you gotta go over Sting in his first match with the company. As just whatever. Um, but, uh. It was totally, like, it was a 30-minute segment, basically. He had the Terminator entrance because he inducted Arnold Schwarzenegger into the Hall of Fame the night before. And so they did this whole Terminator thing since the new one's coming out and it's set in San Francisco. Where Skynet blows up San Francisco, so to speak. And they have Triple H come up and he's in this Terminator gear. And then they show him, like, holding six Terminator heads. And then that's his entrance because he was the guy who took down all the fucking T2000s, wherever the fuck they were. It's like, okay, sure. Um, Sting got like a uh, like a Japanese drum entrance and was wearing this really sick red like kimono type jacket. He spent time in Japan. Oh, hell yeah. Him and he wrestled for New Japan a bunch. Um, but, you know, it was, a fine, it was a fine match. There were some pretty good highlights like... Uh, um, each match had something to it. We were like, oh, you know, it didn't, you know, it, like, it brought something to it. It wasn't completely like I saw that The Undertaker was blowing up on Twitter. Yeah, he came out looking a lot better this year than he did last year. Him and Bray Wyatt had a match. It was really weird. They went 15 minutes, but Wyatt had fucked up his ankle yeah, the night before. The night before. He sprained his ankle yeah. like a, a high, like, like a bad really ankle. badly, really badly. And so you're just sitting there like, why are they working a 15-minute match? You know, Taker's, you know, 50, and he's hurt, and he didn't wrestle in a year, and now he's going to come out and wrestle a guy with a sprained ankle. Um, But it was fine. I mean, it wasn't anything to, you know, shoot home about, but it was fine. Um, uh, I think that they're going to do Taker's thing. 
I think they're going to do it at WrestleMania 32, and I think it'll be a double retirement match. And I think Taker's going to go in the Hall of Fame next year. They shouldn't have made him lose last year. Yeah, but the reason why they had him lose was because he was in such bad shape. So what? Well, that was... They've done worse. The thing was that you had to do something with Brock, because if Brock can't beat Taker, then all of a sudden he doesn't have a lot of credibility. He already lost to Triple H. He beat CM Punk. He lost to Cena. You had to do something that would kind of, because he had a year left on his contract, and so they're going, like, if we lose, if he loses here, how are you going to recoup the rest of that money that you're paying, which was upwards of $5 million, mm-hmm. which was ridiculous for WWE contracts? Like, John Cena, I think, makes two, right? So you're doubling that on 10% of the, the shows that Cena shows up on a regular basis. And so... You had to have him go over. And that's what Vince saw. From a business standpoint, it made sense. But, like, this is why I hate Vince and then I love Vince at the same time. Because, like, going in, everything was so shittily booked that you're just like, like, what the fuck is this? And then he actually does, quote-unquote, the right thing with the Reigns-Lesnar match. It was booked where, like, uh, Lesnar whooped Reigns' ass. Reigns asked for more, got it, still was alive by the end of it. Um, he took him to Suplex City, bitch. Like, that became, like, fucking trending on Twitter, like, right away. It was incredible. Um, what was that? So, basically, he threw, he had, like, ten suplexes in the match. Who? Uh, Lesnar. He just Germaned Roman yeah. Reigns all over the place. It was like the John Cena match. And, like, after the third or fourth one, he looked down. And uh, someone, he, they zoomed in on him, and, and Lesnar was like, Suplex City, bitch! And it blew Because I saw that on it Twitter. It blew the fuck up. It was great. And, like, the next day, there were shirts and memes. It was tremendous. Yeah. Um, and the match was really fucking good. And what sucks is that Reigns worked his ass off. He And, like, I need to go back and watch it a second time because I think I was so pissed off at the booking that I didn't allow myself to enjoy the match. I think if I watched it again, I would really enjoy it. But I might watch it when I get home. Um, but when Rollins came out, I was like, oh, fuck, that's great. Like, it like it really made me think, like, oh, they're actually going to do the right thing here. Um, and which the, is what? Which was not put it on reins and have it be such a... Um, like re- re- it would be received so badly that no one would take it seriously, not in front of that crowd. And so Reigns, you know, he took the pin, so Lesnar didn't lose the belt because it was a triple threat match. Someone else got pinned. He didn't win. He didn't get pinned to lose the belt. Mm-hmm. And so you have all these great stories that can come out of it. You have, you know. He lost, you know, Rollins lost to Randy Orton on a fucking sick RKO. Like, the best RKO ever. Um, earlier in the night. And so, oh, Rollins wins. Oh, Orton can face him. Might not like Orton, but hey, you might do something for a month there. You have Lesnar who's like, okay, fuck this. I want my rematch. Yeah. And they did that the next night. And it was great. He tore Raw apart. He f 5 Michael Cole. It was, he was F5-ing cameramen. And then he got suspended indefinitely, which is how you write him off TV until he comes back, right? And it was really just tremendous. It was fucking great. 
so now you know, I think they're moving towards. I think it's going to be like Rollins Orton and at Extreme Rules, and so that's fine. But now, uh, depending on how you want to set it up, the pr- the the process will probably be something along the lines of Roman Reigns getting his shot at WrestleMania 32. Uh, but uh, the, the big thing that happened, like the biggest mainstream thing that happened, was the Ronda Rousey. Yeah, rock. yeah, that was big. I mean, that was huge. She uh, came out. Ronda Rousey's a big WWE fan, obviously, and so with what happened with Brock earlier in the week, there was probably this idea that maybe they were working together in some aspect, um, because it wasn't like Brock and Dana been, been on bad terms or anything like that. You know, he explained to Dana, he's like, I'm, I don't have the fire for it. I don't want to be here if I don't have the fire. Mm-hmm. And Dana's like, well, you're not going to do well if you don't have the fire. Um, but Rousey, obviously, is his huge name. The biggest she's name. She's as is, big as she probably could be. She's the biggest UFC name they have now, without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, and so now. Do you, you think she's doing because it's like, hey, it's, it's promotion m- and easier money. But it's super money. Yeah. Like so now the question is so what do they do at WrestleMania 32 and so the question is whether they do a tag match with Rock and Rousey versus Triple H and Stephanie or if they do Rock Triple H which has never happened at WrestleMania before and then they do a separate Ronda versus Stephanie match that'd be dumb though but see that's the problem so like I think they're gonna have to put in there with another dude they have to do the mixed tag match because. There's no fucking way anybody thinks that Stephanie is going to be able to take down Ronda Rousey. Well, of course. Ronda Rousey's taking down, quote-unquote, the best female MMA fighters in the world and submitting them in 20 seconds. So, uh, you know, I don't think you're going to see it. But all of a sudden, in front of 100,000 people at AT AT&T Stadium next year in Dallas, like, the idea is so Brock is going to be in something big, and so you figure that out. Uh, There's... Probably going to be talk about him facing uh, who? Like that's that's actually a big question. Like who is he going to face? But most likely you'll have you know Reigns is going to get his shot at the belt, and they hope that over the year that he's now like oh it's obvious this is the guy. Yeah, they still want to like him, right? Because I mean, here's the thing: the smart fans, right? And I'm a smart fan. Like I don't hate Reigns. No, I hate how he was booked. But, like, his match with Daniel Bryan at Fastlane, fucking great. His match with Brock Lesnar, the people hate the booking because if you had been promising a title switch between those two or one of those guys was winning the belt, you'd get none of that. But the match itself was so good. And so you're sitting there going, like, you, you have to appreciate that. You can't sit there and say, oh, we want this guy. Oh, we want this guy. It's like, look. This guy's working his ass off. He's good at what he does. Yeah, he was booked down your throats. Yeah, it was done at the expense of guys that maybe you think are better. But, like, this guy's pretty fucking good. Like, he was in two of the best matches WWE has done this year. And so, and it wasn't just because of the other guys he was with. The other guys he was with were a big deal. Who's the guy who cashed in the, the money in the bank? Seth Rollins, right? He... Obviously, he's a paper champ. Who is he going to... Who do you think he's going to lose the title to? That's really tough. Because... So, like, there's talk about... Maybe they do Rollins versus... Probably at SummerSlam. At Reigns at SummerSlam. But 
they have to do a Brock rematch at some point. So maybe, of course. maybe they do Brock against Rollins. Um, there's a lot of questions about who he's eventually going to drop it to. But like people are like, oh, Daniel Bryan. Or it's like, no. Daniel Bryan's now the Intercontinental Champion, and they're going to build those belts up. Because Cena, who's now the U.S. Champion, he had a great match with Rusev. Rusev came out in a fucking tank. It was tremendous. Which was like the biggest thing on Twitter. It was fucking sweet. People were freaking it out. It was the best WrestleMania entrance of all time. I wish that I took screenshots yeah. of my Twitter feed. It was like... Because oh it was God. nothing but like... First it was people were just freaking out that he came out in the tank. Yeah. And then it was just this plethora of like... Master P jokes, like Shaq jokes. Oh fuck yeah! It was oh my god, insane. yes. And I was just like, "What is yeah. happening Where right is now?" Because so. I, I wasn't watching, but yeah. I was always checking my Twitter and refreshing yeah. my Twitter. It was tremendous, and it was amazing. It was it was superb. Um, but now, so Cena's the U.S. champ. Daniel Bryan's the Intercontinental champ. And since those guys tour the most, they're gonna be. They do this for the house shows. So. The house shows they want to try and get um, a numbers up, and it, uh, it ended up being one of those things where, oh, you get those guys involved, and they're going to be good draws enough to do the house show loops and stuff like that. But what's interesting now is that you have made, uh, in some aspects, with Brock, the WWE Championship that much more important. And I think it would be really cool... If WWE found a way to not have that, the WWE Championship be um, defended at every show. They run 12 shows a year, you know, pay-per-view type shows. If they can really make the title matches seem important and then they go that route and they have the compelling feuds that kind of support the card, then I I think they're going to, you know, be in the right, right, I would say, Direction. Yeah. In the past, it was. It was every pay per view. Yeah. The pay per views, it was WrestleMania. It was uh, SummerSlam when SummerSlam Royal was. Rumble, new. It was Survivor Royal Rumble. Survivor Series. And Survivor Series. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. And so those th- every three months, you had And then a big they match. add, they started adding stuff like in your house. Yep. King of the Ring was around for a while, but it was about the tournament. It wasn't about. Right. And that was kind of like the lull between WrestleMania and. Uh, SummerSlam, they wanted something in the in June. Do they still do the King of the Ring? No, they don't. They don't do. They don't like tournaments. So, yeah. uh, but uh, what's very Japan esque? Yeah. Oh yeah. No, Japan. The New Japan has tournaments all the time. They have like two or three a year normally. Uh, and so now, if you're if you're the WWE, what's interesting is that so NXT, they sold out legit sellout at um, the San Jose State. Uh, university, yeah, like five thousand uh, people. It was forty-seven hundred legit sellout, and um, Vince was there and said that he enjoyed it, but he didn't like the fact that you know they were anti-Raw or anti-WrestleMania chants. What was funny about that though is that's like, well, this is kind of the environment that you, as to an extent, have has helped made. Was that you created an alternative product within your own brand that the most vocal of fans are going to be super supportive of. Like, to the point where if they don't get this type, then you're going to lash out against a guy like Roman Reigns, who is damn good, but is not their guy. He's not the Sami Zayn or the Kevin Owens or the Daniel Bryan. These guys that they followed, that they love to see get their shot at the big time. 
But like now they're going to run four. They've run four specials on the WWE Network. They've shown they can draw, and so now they're going to try and take those out on the road. And that's a that's awesome. So you're going to see four specials, most likely on the road, that'll be shot for the WWE Network, and it's going to help that brand, and it's going to create a better, I would say, uh, internal competition for the guys up at the main roster who have already said it's like we would love to do what they do we would love to have the freedoms that they have down there because they Mm -hmm. do they have triple h's hands off and he lets other guys kind of run the show down there and he just kind of looks in like he has a direct feed into everything they do down there and so when he's up at the offices in stanford connecticut he can look in and basically one of the guys can say look i want you to look over some of the stuff that we're doing give us your feedback and you know he will and so uh, there's a lot of people who are, like, giving him all this credit. It's like, oh, Triple H is the savior, you know, doing all this stuff. And to an extent he is, but um, he's more the guy who's kind of given the environment for the people who really change stuff can can fix it. So um, it's, it's a really weird time. It feels transitionary, but um, we're not sure if it is. We'll have to wait and see. Um, but the shows I went to this weekend were fucking awesome. Um, Russell, yeah, you made two trips. Yeah, Santa Clara Fairgrounds. I saw Evolve Forty, and I saw the um, Wrestling World News Live show, uh, which was on Saturday. Um, Timothy Thatcher, who wrestled in Northern California, he wrestled out of Sacramento for a while. He actually, um, when Josh Drake ran their Punk Slam show in Petaluma in 2007, Thatcher was their champion. He won that first night. And he wrestled Chris Hero on Saturday and beat him. And it it just was the best match of the weekend by far. And uh, he's now kind of being built up. And there's a lot of question as to if he's going to be given a shot uh, to really run at like the top Big indie time. level. And if he does get a WWE call in a year or two, you know. Um, and like the WWE, like the NXT, the Briscoes. Samoa Joe, these ROH mainstays, they've been signed by the WWE to wrestle in NXT. And so now NXT has all these great top independent wrestlers. And now some of the top independents are really having to kind of scramble to figure out how they're going to be presented. Like ROH, like the Briscoes were who they kind of hung their, their hats on for a while. Adam Cole for a while too. But there's talk about Adam Cole getting a contract here in the next few months, you know? It's like, you know, Triple H ain't dumb. Like, he sees talent, he wants talent to come here, and he wants to do what he can with them, you know? Uh, And since he's the head of talent relations, he's making a lot of these decisions about bringing guys in. And so there are some changes happening. And it's going to be interesting to see where they go. Who's the tie team champion right now for the WWE? It's Cesaro and, and Tyson Kidd, two other indie guys that came in. You know, Cesaro is awesome. He really is. So, But yeah, so wrestling is a big week. And then, of course, Saturday night, if you're listening to this today, uh, is tonight at the Phoenix Theater, 8 p.m. So tickets at the door. Enjoy it. It's going to be fun. We're going to start the tournament to crown a, a champion. Uh, Jeff Cobb, who wrestled over the weekend and did very well for himself, he'll be in the card. Um, J.R. Kratos, who's been blowing up in NorCal the last couple of months, he'll be there. 
and he's uh, he's at your main event, right? Uh, sec- secondary main event last week. Yeah, he'll be in the main event this week. Yeah, he'll be there. Jeff Cobb, I think, will be the semi, or it might be the reverse. I need to look at how the card the card might change. Card subject to change, as you remember, at the bottom of all those posters. So, uh, but really fun stuff. Really looking forward to it. Um, yeah, but wrestling, man. It's, a, it's a, just a gas. It's truly awesome. And really you're part of it, And I'm part of it. Very you're small piece, but I'm a part of it. So, see the video that we did, that we shot. I did see it. With me holding the fucking belt. So, large belt. Large man. fucking belt. All right, what else? So, what, NCR? Yeah. Sacto. Hella nerds. There's a thread in the um, in the SRK thread for uh, not Wami Dojo, but the NorCal thread um, that uh, someone took a picture of. I think it was a poster at uh, Outer Outer Plains that said, "If you're if you do not come in, it's the whole sanitary thing. Like if you come in smelling or offensive." You will be asked to leave, mm-hmm. and someone's saying someone should put this up on the walls at NCR. <laughs> Pete remembers the Evo Funk. Shout out to Gibby. Gibby like totally warning us as soon as we walked in the door that morning. Just be prepared for the Evo Funk. The Funk was real. The Funk was real. No, NCR should be interesting. Yeah, it's, it's been. Um... This is kind of the first year they're doing the whole pro. Like Capcom is backing it, yeah. And guys are really making the push for pro yeah. money. Guys yeah, this is this is like a, this is probably the biggest that NCR has ever been as far as like a talent standpoint. Yeah. CEOs blowing up too. They're already at over a thousand participants. Yeah, SoCal is always a big deal, you know. Um, and the big news, of course, this week in the fighting game community is that uh, that Daigo Mahara is going to hang up his his joystick, man. Is he really? Yeah, I did not see he's that. He's gonna. He's been working uh, to be an accountant, and um, he's ready to step into that world. And so I think he said that Evo was his last one, and then he's gonna retire. So one, literally, the best tournament. The best tournament player ever, maybe. Justin Wong will probably have an argument for that considering all the Marvel tournaments he's won. But back-to-back Evo is the only person to ever win Street Fighter back-to-back. Yeah. Uh, Like, literally, he changed how Street Fighter was played, how people thought about playing the game. Uh, And he brought up, like, the gods, you know, the Japanese gods, to a level that were... It wasn't just Daigo coming out here and, and ruining fools. It was a whole host of people because they were all playing against each other and pushing each other. Mm-hmm. And now that's transferred over here. Uh, but yeah, so no more Daigo. That's crazy. They didn't know that. He'll get. I, I guarantee you'll get a hell of a send off at, at Evo. Oh, you know it. So, um, what else? What else? What else? Whew. We had something else. We had Evo or NCR baseball. Wrestling. We already talked about Entourage. Did we? Yeah. No, we talked about Entourage before we went. Oh, yeah. Entourage. Pete, you're watching Entourage. 
Yeah, well, you watched an yeah. episode with us tonight. Yeah, it was a great episode. Um, it was more of a filler thing. Chelsea and I, we, there's really nothing on TV that... Except for Mad Men. Mad Men comes back Sunday. Well, Mad Men's coming back. Every Everything's about to come back. Oh, did, Anything that we watch... Sunday night's about to become ridiculous. Yeah. Like, but, you really know, we, ridiculous. Mad Men's been away for a while. Game of Thrones has been, around, or been away for a while. And... <clears throat> All the shows that Chelsea and I really like to watch or their season, you know, is done. Uh, we got back into Downton Abbey after a break. Started watching that again. That's done. Mm-hmm. There's no... Uh, I should watch Better Call Saul. Yeah, I'm going to watch that Yo. for sure. Uh, but there's no... Fresh Out the Boat. We've been watching Fresh Out the Boat. That's so sick. Shout outs to Eddie Wong. Shout outs to Eddie Wong, baby. Uh, did you read that book yet? No, I need to read it though. I might read it tomorrow. I'm not doing anything tomorrow you before the show. It. If you're not gonna read it, I'll read it. No, I'm gonna read that. No, like I like so. Elliot turned me onto it. He's like, "You gotta watch this." I was like, "Oh, Pete got me the book. I wonder if the show is any good." And it's terrific. It's a good show. There's an entire episode about them wanting to get Shaq Fu. Yeah, it's amazing. So good. It's so fucking very good. very. So nineties, yeah. very nineteen ninety four. Nice, Biggie, Orlando, Tupac. And, so they're always referencing Shaq. They're in Orlando. His dad, who is Chinese, owns the like equivalent of like the the Western Outback Steakhouse. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. It's a good show. It's a good show. And I've been watching. Uh, uh, since it's been airing, I've been going on YouTube and seeing interviews and stuff that he's done. <laughs> he's done some good stuff. You should go on. Have you ever watched him? No. Go watch his stuff on Munchies. Don't watch the episode. Uh, I think the first episode he did on Munchies, which is from Vice. Yeah. He works with Vice. So does he do stuff with um with um, my dude Action Bronson? Did he ever do anything with him? Not that I no? know. No, okay, because Action Bronson Bronson does fuck that's delicious, which is phenomenal. Which is a very good show. The one he did this past week with Mario Batali, fucking watch that. Which, yeah, it was really good. good. I watched that one. Really good. But he's on there, um, and that's where he had his first show, and that's how I found out about him. Okay. Was I randomly discovered Munchies, went on there, started watching his show. Yeah. He's funny and entertaining, and I really liked him, and that's when I found out about the book. And I kind of kept digging deeper and deeper and deeper until I just really liked him it's, a lot. It's such a great story. It uh, really is. He has some interesting stories about since he's kind of blown up. He did a TED Talk, mm-hmm. and is very much against TED, the organization. Yeah. You should look into that too. Okay, but uh, he does some great interviews on like the Joe Rogan podcast, like like recent ones. Yeah, him and um, I'm blanking on the guy's name that plays the dad on the TV show. We're on there. Oh yeah, he's awesome. He's really good. So, but just really cool guys. But you should look him up. Okay, look him up I'll on look there. But up. if you watch his Munchie show, he does his first episode is in the Bay Area. It's in San Francisco. And he does this one episode where he goes and, like, parties with these biker gang guys. And they have, like, this, um, they, like, go and hunt rabbits and stuff. And uh, 
they have this one scene where I don't know if it was just for like TV or whatever, but it's very uneasy where they kill a rabbit and the oh. guy like slits its throat. Oh man! And it's like a pocket knife, and it's like, uh. and it is kind. Of, it's very not easy gotcha. to watch. So if that's not something you would want to watch, okay. skip that one. So I'm uh, trying. Yeah, I'm my podcast list as you can see. You know, but it's not a podcast. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, it's an episodic internet. You know, kind of like comedians and cars, cars getting, getting coffee. coffee, kind of like that. Right. Food. It's really entertaining. Right. Really, really good. Cool. Amazing episode where he's in Florida, goes to Florida, and does a food episode with like the Bang Bus guys. Ha! And is what? in is in the Bang Bus while they're filming Bang Bus, and it's it's just like that's wow, wow. It's entertaining. Wow. He does entertaining stuff. I'm Uncle just... Luther makes an appearance. No! You have to watch his show, Tim. Oh, my God. Okay, you've totally convinced me And now. he's so... He's just so much about, oh like... Oh, my God. Does, does he ever do this? Does he no, ever... I don't no, think so. Oh, damn it. Uncle Luther, man. The but original. But super, super entertaining. Did you see Michael Irvin get hype at the NIT? No, I did not. So hype. Stanford. Oh, yo. Johnny Dawkins. Two and three years. Dynasty. Um, no, they, on, on Highly Questionable today, they, they pointed out Irving getting fucking hype for NIT basketball. It's just like, anything that has to do with the U, Mike Irving is all about it. Hey, if my Cal State Fullerton Titans were in the NIT, I would get hype. Would you fly to MSG and just I would, if they made it, I would probably try to... up a Scott Cutley sign? Dude. There is something about the NIT. Shout out to Josh what I love, and we talked about this before oh, early yeah. on in our show, there is something that the NIT has over the NCAA tournament. MSG, baby. In the fact that it ends in Madison Square Garden. You're damn right. They, I don't want to say they sell it out, but if they don't, it's pretty damn close. Basically. Because it's a basketball city. Damn right. And it's a basketball tournament. Yeah. The finals is in there. And the fact that the high seeds get to host home games. That's, right. That's really cool. That's pretty cool. So you don't have like half full arenas, right? It's right. like packed, right? And so that's kind of that's awesome. pretty awesome. The um the other thing that happened this week is uh, the Johnnies. They got their man, baby, Chris Mullen. Chris Mullen coming back to that. NYC, man. I was surprised by that. That that has the potential to be awesome. Steve Lavin, we love Steve Lavin. Steve Lavin's a great coach. He was great at UCLA, um, but like. You know he he had a good run at, at St. John's, but he I think they I think they wanted a little bit more, and so they're like, "Yo, Molly," and I think Molly wanted to get the fuck out of Sacramento. But uh, yo, so Sacramento Kings, I don't know if they listen to this podcast, but the Sauce Castillo shit, my boy Nick Stauskas. That's first up. That's the that's probably the best like. Out of nowhere nickname that has come out of sports in a long time. The Kings have really, for as dysfunctional as they are, they have they have some really amazing shit going. They on. have some marketing that's just with like, like Booby. Oh yeah, and then Nick Stauskas. Yeah, it's yeah, and they have some other pretty good players on their yeah. squad. They don't suck, but it's just like the West is so good that you don't know it. Like that. Yeah, but like. They they are dysfunctional. Their owners, whatever. But like the whole Sauce Castillo thing is just yeah. like. But I appreciate oh what they're God. doing. Like they're gonna have a Sauce Castillo night. 
I kind of want to go to South Castillo <laughs> night. Like, I kind of want to go to South Castillo night. Yeah. Kind of want to go to South right? Castillo night. I, I, the idea that closed captioning gave us the best NBA nickname in like, I'd say five years. That's incredible. Yeah. Sauce Castillo. Yeah. And he needs to wear a jersey that night that doesn't say Stauskas on the back. It says Castillo. See, the, they are where the Warriors were in like 2005, 2006. Yeah. Where I could borderline justify just because of like the ridiculous, ridiculousness of shit that was happening. Yeah. Like to buy season tickets. Oh, God, yeah. Because they were cheap. They weren't selling... Or, I mean, they were selling... They were still getting good amounts of people at the game. Yeah. They weren't, like, selling out every night like they are the past few years. Like, my mouth hurts from smiling about Sasuke Steel so <laughs> But I could... And I talked with Jeff, who I'm going to see, and I think on the 18th... Are you going up north? I'm going up to Chico to go see Jeff, who is a big most hardcore Kings fan. Shout out. Goes to Kings games all the time. So, I think, I think we need to get on... The on with Mr. Borwa and be like, hey, let's, let's do this Sasuke Steel night. I think we need to, be What night? Do you know what I day? Don't know. I'm gonna look it up. If you look it up, I'm gonna look this up. Jeff Burwa, we might be going to Sasuke Steel night. We would man. have to get like a hotel though. Oh my god, Sasuke Steel night. My goodness. But we have talked about that. Like getting, you could probably get courtside. No, it's to, it's Sunday. Oh, okay, yeah, it's Easter. on Easter. No. Yeah, I can't make that swing. Wrong. <clears throat> no. That's it. No, that's too much. I'm totally down. You know, shout out to Jesus, but I want to go see Sasuke Castillo. <laughs> Love the resurrection. Loves the resurrection. Who doesn't love him some Easter Bunnies and Resurrections? Sasuke Steel seems like a nickname that Action Bronson would give himself. Yeah. And it's... Amazing. Just... I I want to buy a Kings jersey and have Castillo put on the back. But he'll get, like, traded next year. Yeah, he probably will get traded next year. Because dumbasses. Oh, yeah. So Dragons of Tarkir is out. And hella fluctuating in prices and shit. Yes. <clears throat> Like hell of fluctuating. Always happens. You said Always happens. So market will probably correct itself in the next month. Mm-hmm. When's the first, the next pro, it's in a couple weeks, right? They got stuff going on all the time. Yeah. Uh, always fun to watch. The big thing, did it happen? Or is it this month? I thought it was this month. Uh... The, the Modern Masters... Modern Masters 2? I don't know if they did the Pro Tour down... They have three Pro Tours where they're doing it. One is in Las Vegas. It might have happened this Hold past on. weekend. Or let it's me, going to happen this weekend. Let me check remember. it. Modern Masters Las Vegas. Um, let's see what they got. Um, it's going to happen... Grand Prix Las Vegas... That's going to be, yes, the Modern Master GP Las Vegas. Um, Grand Prix Las Vegas, where the hell is it? Um, May 28th, it's next month. Oh, okay, so, 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 so. Um, But that's what everybody's waiting for. 
Modern Masters 2. They've kept a tight lid on the spoilers. Except still, for Goyf. Still a lot of speculation. Everybody's still saying that they think that Bob will get another reprint. Um, the big mythics will get a reprint. Bob, Tom, or Goyf is obviously the other one. And then a lot of the other staples. What's Bob again? For them uh, that, that is, Bob is uh, Dark Confidant. Oh, yeah, that's right. And okay. so people are kind of banking on that. That's going to get a reprint. But the thing is that decks aren't clamoring for Dark Confidant anymore like they used to for the card advantage. So it's kind of fallen off. But it's still expensive, I think, just because it's Bob. Well, just it, Dark Confidant is like one of the... It's still a Any, Anyone will splash black. Like, literally, if you can figure out a way to, like, oh, can I get Bob into my deck? Oh, okay. Well, the other thing is that Tarmogoyf isn't getting the biggest push either. It's just the fact that it's Tarmogoyf. Yeah. And eventually what I would like to do, actually, is have... Tarmogoyf go glory. Is have Six, one of the... seven Goyf on turn three. Well... If you... No, nobody does. You can. No. Not in modern. Not in modern. modern you can't have a 6-7 on turn three. Dredge six? No, nobody does dredge. You don't do dredge. Did I just find a market inefficiency in modern? Am I going to run Golgari troll deck? You can do it, but nobody does it. Yeah, but how sick would that be? Turn two Goyf, dredge six, each different type, six, seven Goyf. If you have that many different types of cards in your deck, it's probably not a very good deck. Creature, instant, sorcery, artifact, land. land. Artifact? What artifact would you run? Mm-hmm. Warhammer? No. Uh, you wouldn't run artifacts. You'd, it'd be a Marlitz? waste. Hmm. Soul Ring? No. You can't run Soul Mod- Ring in modern. Oh, fuck yeah, Commander. God damn it. Mox Opal. <laughs> Mox Diamond. With no other artifacts. Yeah. Just a oh, so who ended up winning the greatest standard deck ever tournament? I didn't get a chance to watch the other. I game. didn't get to see either, okay. actually. Okay. I went back and I was watching just because I, did... I wanted to see the other decks that were in there. <sighs> and there were some cool ones in there. Decks that I did have, I don't yeah, even... Neither do I. No, but there's some awesome ones in there. Fairies and versus I... Dragonstorm happened. I know that happened. Yeah, and I didn't, get to, I didn't get to see that one. But what's really cool about that is that it's very interesting in seeing that it's it's just the decks as they were in that point in time and seeing how they stack up against each other. Yeah. And it, it is really cool it's to see. It's in a vacuum, which is really neat. I like that. And uh, I, I, I do like seeing that interaction. Yeah. Um, and, and so I am still going through all those the round robin rounds and stuff like that. But that is very entertaining. And so you have Modern Masters that's coming out. Then you have Origins. So those are kind of like the spring yeah. summer. Now sets. Origins is going to be standard, right? As that's mm-hmm. going to be the offset non-block standard that's going to yeah. be eligible, which is going to be weird because there's supposed to be some pretty there's supposed to be very interesting reprints in that series. Um, well, I don't know what reprints are going to be. Yeah, there. but but like, um, my favorite rumor was that because Volcanic Island was never an alpha, that they were going to reprint Volcanic Island. It's like there will be no duel because nobody's going to fucking play it. Yeah, um, no, there will be. There will just be. There will be no. I. Do you think they're going to make every fetch land playable? Like, do you think yeah. that? The, yeah. Well, the other thing is that in October they're doing Zendikar, Battle for Zendikar, which you have to have fetches. Yeah. So you're going to have all ten fetch lands. In standard at yeah. the same time. 
So they're talking about either it's going to be Origins or it's going to be Zendikar. That you're going to have the fetchers. Um, no, it's going to be Battle for Zendikar. I want them to reprint Maze of Ith and Lake of the Dead. Maze of Ith sure. is fucking ridiculous. Now you're just throwing out random old cards. Yeah, but they were so overpowered. So many random overpowered cards. Mm. Moat. Have them reprint. Have Modern Masters reprint Moat. But it's not in Modern. Doesn't matter. Reprint it. Modern Masters. has been way past Modern. No, modern. No, it's in Modern. Really? Yeah. If you if you go onto the website and look at the block and you look at the sets that are in Modern. I thought it was Legacy that was all the black bordered sets. I thought Modern only went back a couple years. No, Modern is a pretty big. Okay. Yeah. I thought Modern had like a five year lifespan on it, and mm-hmm. so because that block came out in 07, no. I was like, oh. my biggest question, and I would like to talk to. You, I might even reach out to some of the people that are on uh, MTGPrice.com. Which is like my one of my favorite websites that I go to, and yeah, I like sure. the articles that they do. Yeah. But my biggest question you like is the article is about the the power creep and, and creatures, and the fact that you're seeing all these decks come out, and you're not seeing Tarmogoyf being played. As Tarmogoyf still is played, but Bob's not getting played. Vendillion Click isn't getting played right. really. So all these staples that were the bread and butter of decks for years and years and years, all of a sudden aren't being played that much, and you're seeing. A power creep with some other cards that are doing very Tarmogoyf-like things. There's this one card that came out that's called Tassiger. Um, that is a Delve card. Um, so it's like five colorless and a black or six colorless and a black. And Delve is a mechanic where the exile cards from your graveyard to pay for the casting cost. So say... By turn three, you have, like, fetch for a land, so you have a land in the graveyard. Mm-hmm. Cast, like, Thoughtseize, Thoughtseize is in the graveyard. Right. You just trade a creature, do something else. You know, by turn three, say you have, like, four or five things in your graveyard. Right. Delve them all. You, you delve all those. And you're dropping a huge... Play, like, three mana, and it's a four or five creature. Right. And even though it has an ability on there... It's not really that good of a modern ability, but the main thing is that, like, by turn three, you could have four or five body right. on there. In, in essence, a Tarmogoyf. Yeah. Without the drawback of, oh, if somebody plays a card that exiles your graveyard, yeah. it won't be affected because Tarmogoyf is totally dependent yeah, on what it's is a, in the graveyard. It's a, it's a synergistic card as opposed to, an, yeah. So you do have to work to get there because you have to put stuff in your graveyard and then exile it. But the point being, Tarmogoyf got big just by playing magic. Yeah. By casting spells, fetching for lands, trading creatures. You just eventually, with you and your opponent, were putting card types into your graveyard. Mm-hmm. And it would get big. It would be like a 4-5 or a 3-4. And my whole point being is that now they're printing creatures like this where you can delve it out and play a 4-5 or five yeah. and still get the same Tarmogoyf-like effect. Maybe not, yeah. still not as effective because a turn 2 Tarmogoyf is, is dis- still disgusting. Yeah. disgusting. And that's hard to beat a one green and one colorless yeah. for a Tarmogoyf. Well, but but the, <clears throat> my point being is 
you could make an argument that at some point in the future there will be a very Tom Regoy-esque card where it's like, I don't need to pay 200 bucks for... Or, right. Or, or, or $800 for a playset of Tarmogoyfs. Right. When I could do some... When I could play cards that are very Tarmogoyf-esque. Well, just, just to give you an idea of how ridiculous Delve can be. Like, Ben, just because he's Ben. So our friend Ben Casillas is one of the craziest minds of magic that I've, I've ever ran across. He is the king of, like, making non-rare decks... And he made a standard deck, green mono green aggro. Yeah, with the the howling. Yeah, tendrils or whatever. Yeah. So, but he also played that uh, six drop five five. That for each creature in your graveyard, you knock uh, a uh, a colorless off, and then you can monstrous it for nine by doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. Um, there was this ridiculous mechanic where you play Elvish Mystic, you then play a um, a uh, uh, a turn to um, whatever the spells are that you you take the top five yeah. right, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you put the rest in your graveyard, and so you could ostensibly have three four things in your graveyard. And then you could just attack at will with whatever your stupid thing is. Um, and then if you didn't get creatures, you do the dendrils on the next turn because you have enough to delve for it on turn three. But the idea was you keep all the creatures in your graveyard. You delve everything else. And so you can get the dendrils out, but you also can monkey. I don't know if it's called dendrils. Whatever the fuck it's called. Okay. The monkeys that have trample on it that you right. delve for. And then you can make this other thing ridiculously monstrous and have a 10-10. Like, I got, I played the deck and I got a 10-10 on turn four. Yeah. It's just fucking ridiculous. And, like... Well, de- people said that, that it's called Howling something. Yeah. And it, it is. It's a 4-4 a four, four trample. Four, four colorless green delve. Yeah. And so... And people actually... We're making. I can't remember why. I'd have to listen. I was watching a, a video podcast uh-huh. on Channel Fireball, and they're talking about how people were saying that it is very much it's modern playable, except for I can't remember. There was a reason why, and it was the only hiccup why you wouldn't play right. it over like another card. But people were saying like yeah. it's a very, very, very good card. One of the things that's happened was um, like a lot of the direct damage removals, and you're talking about the power creep. Like, what's happened is because there were so many of those, and there's still a ton in black. Black has incredible amount of removal, really good removal right now. But, like, the power creep that you're talking about, like, you're seeing a lot of creatures that can be the most common direct damage red spells that are out there right now. Well, they're trying to make, and Wizards openly said this, is that they're trying to make the game more about the creatures. Right. So... They even said that you there will no longer be any four mana board wipes. Right, there's five, five is, so end hostilities is, is, is about it. Right, and they're putting more. Uh, they're putting if this makes sense. They're putting more cards onto the creatures, so you will play creatures that will have an ability. Uh-huh. 
that is like a spell. Yeah. Because they want it to be more focused on the creatures. Yeah, like Siege Rhino is a lightning helix attached to a 4-5 trampler. Sure, yes. Which is ridiculous. Yeah. And so you're getting these effects to put the emphasis right. on the creatures. And so, that's where the game is changing. Where before it was very dominating, like blue yeah. and black. And they were usually control or combo heavy in certain mm-hmm. ways. And they still can be. Yeah, there's still blue control decks in standard that are Yeah, really they good. still do blue-black. And oh, that, yeah. was a, that, that was very much played and it still is very much of played. Of course it in, is. And Pro Tours. Yeah. But um, you are. You're seeing this interesting shift where they want it to be more on the battlefield, so right. to speak, than I think, I think elsewhere. I think because they want, that, they want, that inter- they want the yeah. interaction to be there. They, they want it to be more entertaining and engaging. Yeah. Which is great. So. I think it's fun. So. But it's fun. Like, I, I, I was telling Ben, I was like, I'm only on the periphery of all this. Um, I got to like, check the, the thing. Of, of this magic thing. You're obviously into it a lot more than I am. I've been so busy with school. Like, I, I'm trying to, like, figure out this cool balance between all this stuff, but it's just, like, I can't do it right now. So I'm just, I'm just like, trying to do what I can, and I just, like, kind of follow it, and if I can hear it, like, the whole thing with NCR this weekend, I'm going to try and follow it as best I can. Oh, I'm going to watch. I'm gonna, yeah. Oh, I'm going to try and watch. Right. But it's tough, because yeah. it's, it's you know. the weekend, and we got um, But, like, uh... You know, I've been so into the wrestling lately because it's been WrestleMania season and a bunch of shows that and I'm you're involved in, and I'm involved in it. And then baseball coming up, and so obviously I'm involved with that. Uh, school, I got a month left, and then finals. You know, so I'm totally into that. And so it's like for me, I'm just trying to, um, you know, keep up with all this stuff. But like, there's like, it's really cool that all these things that we're interested in, there's so many cool things happening. Yeah, there's a good once, You know. So, it is so awesome. good for good for magic, and uh, it is becoming very popular. Like very, like you know, it's in the faint arms reach of the mainstream, but it is out yeah. there. It's getting back. It's it's it been growing. The numbers there. have been growing big time for magic. So, but we are out of time. We are. So thanks for thanks for listening. Um, we'll have this. Uh, you know, we'll try and do it again next weekend. Uh, and uh, and we love that you listen. So hear my voice after hearing my voice, and you can get all the plugs because That's right. plugs. That's so right. love you. Yay! Hey, hey, if you want to keep following Los Livingston Brothers, you can see us on Facebook. Just go to the Los Livingston Brothers fan page. Give us a like, leave comments, all that good stuff. And on iTunes, make sure to subscribe and also give us a nice, pretty-looking review and throw five stars up on us because we are like a Rob Van Dam frog splash because it's the five-star frog splash. Uh, On top of that, if you don't use iTunes to listen to your podcast, you can also go to LosLivingstonBrothers.com, click on the Radio Shows tab, and you'll be able to listen to all the shows dating back to our very first show at KCY in 2011 man that was that's a long time ago i'm old <laughs>